Amen. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. It is good to see you this morning. If you are brand new here, my name is Mark. I'm the lead pastor. We're excited to have you here uh, today. And we're going to continue in worship as we receive our offering. Our ushers are going to get in place right now. And so you can go ahead and get in position there. And uh, as, they, as they get in place... Uh, as we're about to receive our offering, I want to show you a picture that I'm sure uh, will be really familiar to you. It'll, you'll know what it is as soon as you see if we can put this on the screen, guys. There we go. Uh, you know what that is. There you go. So, revival just hit right there. That's, that's, the, that's revival. People are shouting. Um, now, now, you know what that is, right? You know that's Rupp Arena, you know, UK. Here, here's the thing. And anybody watch the game yesterday? Anybody? I know a lot of people did. There we go. Several p- people's hands are going up. You know, that picture, the game yesterday, uh, there are two types of people there in that picture. There, there, are, there are people who are spectators in the stands, and then there are people who are on the court playing the game, right? Thousands of people come to watch a few people play, and, and, and it's great to watch but it's just a different experience. It's at another level when you are on the court in the game. And, and here's, here's the deal. Christianity is at its best, not when you are in the crowd, being a spectator, watching a few people play. Christianity is at its best when you are on the court in the game. And here's what I want everybody to know. Jesus died came back to life, not so that you can sit in the stands and watch a few people play. Jesus died and came back to life so that everyone can play, so that you can use the spiritual gifts that God's given you, so that you can be a blessing to the world, so that you can know and follow Jesus. And so I just want to challenge our church uh, to think about that. When you walk into an environment like this, do you see yourself as a spectator who comes to watch a couple of people who get up on stage. And the people who are on stage, the volunteers, they're the ones that are doing the work. You come to get something. Or, or do you come, you know what, I'm a part of this. So, so it's not just songs. You're, you're actually praising God. Maybe you lift your hands. A time like this, you don't just say, oh, well, this is for somebody else. Somebody else is going to give. No, your heart leans in and says, God, whatever you have for me, I want it. I'm going to engage and, and so, so we give not because we're spectators in the stands, but because Jesus saved us, made us his body, the bride, the church, and he wants us in the game. He wants us on the court playing. And, and so, so giving engages our hearts. As we follow Jesus every day in our lives, we're not spectators in the stands. We're on the court. We're in the game. We're following Jesus. I just want to challenge our church to not be a spectator, Right? I want to challenge you to not be a spectator in the stands watching other people follow Jesus, watching other people give and experience the blessing, or watching other people use their gifts to make a difference. I want to, I want to encourage everybody to get in the game, to put a jersey on, and to get on the court and say, Jesus, here's my life. Use it however you want. That's why we give. We give so that our hearts can have that kind of cry. We give as a reflection of that kind of desire out of our hearts. God, here's my life. Use it for whatever you want. And here's a portion of what you've given me back to you, God. I give out of worship. So why do we give? We give because we're not spectators. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Christianity is everybody gets a jersey and you can play. 
And so I just want to encourage you today. Maybe you came, you didn't, you're not prepared to give, but you want to give. But you can give online. You can open up the Summit app. You can get on your phone right now. Go to summithazard.com. Click give online. You can give right there. Whatever you give here, whether you give online. We just believe that God can take what we give and use it to transform the world. So I'm going to pray for us and ask God to bless our offering this morning. Would you just pray with me, Father? I pray right now in the name of Jesus that, that Father, as we give, God, it would be a reflection of our hearts. Jesus, you didn't die so that we could just be spectators kind of out in the crowd. Who Maybe we come to church every Sunday and we watch people on stage. Or we, we watch people who serve. But we don't come really with an attitude or a heart that says we're a part of this. We are following Jesus. We're the church. We come maybe as spectators or consumers. Jesus, you didn't die so that we can be spectators and consumers and watch a few people on the court play. You died and came back to life so that we can all play, so that we can all follow you, so that, God, we can all let our lives be used by you to be a blessing to the world. And, God, that's why we give. So, God, as we give right now, we give out of hearts of worship. We give out of cheerful hearts because, Jesus, you gave your life for us. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning from your word, uh, God, this morning. That, that, God, we hear from you, not from me. You'd have your way here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and pass those baskets. And as, and as you're giving this morning, uh, I want to uh, say something really quick. I want to invite everybody that's here to come back tonight at 6 for small groups. All right. Last week we kicked off small groups, and listen, they were awesome. To be perfectly honest with you, it was an unbelievable night. Uh, we had our marriage group. I lead a mixed group, men and women together who might not be couples. Uh, we've got a men's group, a women's group, and I just want to encourage you to come. If you missed last week and you kind of been on the fence, get off the fence and come tonight to small groups. Uh, we start at six o'clock right out in the lobby with a meal together. Our theme tonight is Italian. All right, so you can uh, bring something if you want to. If not, just come anyway. There is a group for you. Uh, there's child care. Child care is available tonight. Our students are meeting tonight at 6 for middle and high school students over there. So there's something tonight for everybody. And I just want to encourage you to come because what we're doing in our small groups uh, right now, we're, we're learning how to pray. I, I know on Sunday mornings right now we're doing this series, Pray E-K-Y. Uh, but in our small groups, we're, just, we're talking about prayer and we're, we're doing the stuff of prayer honestly that we just can't do on a Sunday morning. And uh, so I want to give you a little glimpse of what our groups are doing right now uh, when it comes to prayer. So just uh, direct your attention to the screens and go ahead and check out this video. It's real quick. Go ahead and watch this. So our groups right now are going through something called the prayer course, and, uh, and I love it. It's unbelievable. The response from last week was great. So I just wanted to invite you to come tonight at 6. If you missed last week, no big deal. Jump in tonight. All right? Uh, like I said, we are in a series uh, called Pray E.K. 
why, and uh, we are learning how to be people of prayer. We are uh, learning how to cry out to God for revival and renewal for Eastern Kentucky, and every week we're just taking a different aspect of, of prayer and, and talking about it, and uh, with what we're doing this morning, it reminded me of something. Uh, in, when I was in seminary, uh, when I was in seminary, I went to seminary uh, at a seminary in Louisville, and Elena uh, went to the University of Louisville, and so we were up in Louisville for several years, and then worked, stuck around there, worked at churches uh, in that area. When I was in seminary, I went through this really weird phase uh, where I would watch uh, televangelists and preachers on TV, not because I was really into what they were saying, but I caught on to the fact that some of these people, they would give away at the end of their program some really odd things if you called this 800 number and asked for it. And, and so I was like, oh my gosh, I want that, what they're giving away. But also, we lived on the seminary's campus, and so all of my friends, they had the same address as I did, and I found out what their P.O. box number was. And so I would call these televangelists and have them send uh, really odd things to all of my friends in seminary. It was a really great time in my life to be perfectly honest. Uh, I remember I got some miracle cornmeal that I was supposed to put in the ground, and then I lost it. Um, I remember I, I, got a, I got a Jesus prayer mat that had a drawing of Jesus on it. I was supposed to lay on it face down, put my hands on it, and I never did. And, um, uh, but the best thing that I ever got, I got a book one time. And the name of that book, and this was the name of the book, the name of the book was How to Pray and Get Everything You Want. And, and, uh, and, and I read that book. It was a really short book. There was a section in the book about how to pray for a Ferrari. And uh, no kidding, there really was. There was a section in the book about how to pray to get a certain kind of house. Uh, you can imagine the certain kind of house uh, that might be in a book like that. But the book was literally titled, it was yellow and in huge letters on the front, How to Pray and get everything that you want. And they gave it away. They didn't charge for it. And, uh, and, and it was pretty clear why they would give it away, and you can't sell a book like that. It's pretty obvious to me why that, a book like that wouldn't be very popular. It might sell a little bit on Amazon for the first couple of weeks, but eventually people would begin to talk, and word would get around. And I'm just convinced that a book like that wouldn't do very well in the general market because eventually people would start to say, you know what, I'm praying, and I'm not getting everything I want. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had that happen to you? How many of you, just by raising your hands, this is honest, all right, we're going to talk about some, some hard things this morning, all right, so don't be afraid to raise your hand here. How many of you have ever prayed and asked God to do something, and man, you thought your heart was in the best place it could possibly be, but it didn't happen, or it didn't happen the way that you asked for, or it didn't come in the timetable that you needed it to happen? Anybody? My hand is up. Put your hand up in the air right now. Anybody? Think, that's a lot of hands. Virtually every single hand goes up. What do you do with that? What do you do with unanswered prayer? And here's the thing. When, we, when that happens to us, we can think, oh my gosh, this is the, I'm the only person that this happens to. I bet, I bet this doesn't happen to anybody else. Everybody else prays, and their prayers go the way that they want. When I pray, it doesn't seem to go the way that I want. I'm probably the only person this happens to. But here's what you need to know. When you talk about how do you handle unanswered prayer, how do you navigate it, you need to know there isn't a person in Scripture who prayed a prayer, and at some point their prayer, either from their vantage point, went unanswered, it wasn't answered in the time frame that they wanted to, or it didn't go the way that they asked. I'm talking about David. 
I'm talking about the Apostle Paul. I'm talking about Jesus. I mean, Jesus himself, Jesus in John 17, 20 and 21, Jesus is about to go to the cross. He prays, John 17 is Jesus' prayer right before he goes to the cross. Jesus prays for all of us, all Christians right now. So you and I, thousands of years later, Jesus prays for us. Jesus' prayer to the Father is John 17, 20 and 21, that they may be one. So Jesus prays for unity in the church among all Christians. Now, you tell me, when you look at Christians today, do they look united? No. I've heard people say that this is the great unanswered prayer from Jesus. What do you do with verses like this? I think they're going to be up on the screen. What do you do with a verse like Mark eleven twenty four? 24? Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. What do you do with a verse like 1 John 5, 14 through 15? This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know, watch this, that we have the request that we've asked of him. And these are just two that I thought of really quick. There are all kinds of verses in the Bible that seem to say this. What do you do with these verses? What do you do with unanswered prayer? What do you do when you look at all these great men and women of faith in the Scripture and they prayed prayers just like us? And it looked like nothing happens. What do you do? Well, there's all kinds of places that we could go to try to figure this out. What do you do with, how do you handle unanswered prayer? But what we're going to do today is we are going to look at the life of of Abraham. All right, so we're going to look at the life of Abraham. I mean, the father of the faith, Father Abraham. And so Abraham, his story's in Genesis 20. You can turn there. You can open up. Well, his story's in Genesis. We're going to eventually get to Genesis 20 and uh, 21. But if you've got a Bible, I just encourage you to open it up to the beginning, Genesis 12. Right, Genesis 12 is where we first meet God and, and Abraham, and, and they, they begin this relationship. But when you look at the life of Abraham, Abraham's life is a life of unanswered prayers and unfulfilled promises. In fact, later on in the Bible, Hebrews 11, if you don't know what Hebrews 11 is, Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. It talks about some of the greatest saints in the Bible, Moses, Elijah, David, talks a lot about Abraham. Listen to what Hebrews 11 says specifically about Abraham and all of these people that we know from the Old Testament. It says, Hebrews 11, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. You see that? So Abraham is the guy who is banking on God answering these prayers and God doesn't seem to answer them. Abraham is the guy who is banking on God to answer all of these, all these promises and none of these promises in Abraham's life seem to be fulfilled. It all starts, like I said, in Genesis 12. In Genesis 12, God comes to Abram. Now later on, God changes Abram's name to Abraham. But God comes to Abram in Genesis chapter 12 and he comes to him and he says, listen, I want you to pack up all of your family and all of your belongings. I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you. And in Genesis 12 too, God makes this promise to Abraham. I will make of you a great nation. 
Okay, now let's think this through, right? So if you're keeping score, now if you're going to be a great nation, you need a lot of people. Hello, right? Anybody with me, right? So, so if you're going to be a nation, you're going to need a lot of people. So surely Abraham, his wife's name Sarah, surely Abraham and Sarah are about to have a lot of kids really fast. And not only that, if you're going to be a great nation, then you're going to need land for your nation to live on. So God makes his same promise. God makes his promise. Genesis 12, 7, to your offspring, I will give this land. Man, aren't these awesome promises? Abraham, Abraham, listen, from you is going to be a great nation. God tells Abraham that from him, he's going to have as many descendants as the sand on the seashore, stars in the sky. I'm going to give you this great land, and you're going to, you're going to live there. Your offspring are going to live in this land. These are amazing promises. And Abraham is just like us, probably thinking, all right, in the next five minutes, boom, it's going to happen. Here's the thing, and if you know the story of Abraham, I'm leaving out a lot of details. You can read it, Genesis, starting in chapter 12 through 25. Days turn into weeks, and weeks turn into months, and months turn into years, and years turn into decades. No kids and no land. How would you feel if you were Abraham in that moment? Abraham comes to God in Genesis 15. God, listen, can you give me a sign that you're going to do what you say? And, and so God comes, Genesis 15, gives him a sign. Genesis 17, several years after Genesis 15, several years later, Abraham comes back. Still nothing. God, can you give me a sign? Can you give me a sign that you're going to answer these prayers, that you're going to fulfill these promises? God comes to Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 18. And at this point, it's been decades since Genesis 12. They are old. They are advanced in years. Genesis 18, God comes to Abraham and Sarah and says, One more year. One more year, and you're going to have a son. His name's name's going to be Isaac. One more year, you're going to have a son. Genesis 21. If you've got a Bible, look at Genesis 21. We'll look at these two verses here. I think they might be on the screen. So here it is. This is, this is a year later. The Lord, Genesis 21, verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he promised. So she's pregnant. She's going to have this boy. They're going to have Isaac. Verse 5. Abraham was how old? Anybody? A hundred years old. When his son Isaac was born to him. Decades later, Abraham and Sarah finally have a son, Isaac. You get to Genesis 23. Now watch this. Genesis 23, Sarah dies. In Genesis 23, when Sarah dies, Abraham and Sarah have one son of promise, only one. So much for a great nation, right? In Genesis 23, Sarah dies. There's a group of people called the Hittites, and they give Abraham a cave so that he can bury his wife in that cave. And then two chapters later, Genesis 25, Abraham dies. Genesis 12, God comes to Abraham. Abraham, from you is going to be a great nation. Abraham, I want to give you land. It's going to be an amazing land. It's literally the promised land. I'm going to give it to you. You get to Genesis 25, Abraham and Sarah are dead. 
They have one son and just enough land to bury his wife. What do you do with that life? Now, here's the deal. If you know the Bible, if you know the Bible a little bit, you know that ultimately the story of Abraham points to Jesus, and and Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises and prayers that God told Abraham to pray and that God made with Abraham. You know, if you know what the Bible says in the New Testament, that through Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, we are children of Abraham. You know that song we teach little kids, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, I'm one of them and so are you, and then all of a sudden it becomes a Christian hokey pokey right look at me we know that Abraham did not imagine that so we knew that imagine burying your wife and the only land you have is a land to bury her in but God told you you were going to have land that a nation would live on What do you do with a life that seems like one unanswered prayer after another one? What do you do with all the unanswered prayers that you've prayed and that you will pray? I think when you look at the life of Abraham, three things rise to the surface that help us navigate those unanswered prayers and the seemingly unfulfilled promises of God in our lives. Three things rise to the surface. If you're taking notes, write these down. I believe that they'll really uh, help you here. The first one, that, first thing that rises from Abraham's life is that unanswered prayer is an invitation to the desert. Unanswered prayer is an invitation to the desert. So God comes to Abraham in Genesis 12 and says, Listen, Abraham, get, get all of your belongings and everything that you have. I want you to go to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. You'll have land. Go to a land that I will show you. So after Genesis 12, Abraham and Sarah's life is just one series of after another of going to different places in the desert. Abraham and Sarah are just wandering through the desert, basically, for the rest of of their lives. When in the book of Exodus, when God delivers Israel out of slavery in Egypt, they disobey God. They have to wander through the desert for 40 years. David becomes king. The king before him, King Saul, is jealous of David. Most of David's life is literally running away from Saul, hiding in caves in the desert. Jesus is baptized, and the Gospels say this right here. This is exactly what the Gospels say. As soon as Jesus comes up out of the water of baptism, it says that the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the desert. One of the biggest themes in Scripture is the theme of the desert. One of the biggest themes in Scripture, one of the biggest ideas that that you see in Scripture is this idea of, of the desert. I was thinking about the desert a few years ago uh, on vacation. We went to Las Vegas and, uh, and, and we wanted to go, one day we wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. Seven hour drive from Vegas to the Grand Canyon. And that drive is mainly through the desert. Do you know what's in the desert? Some of y'all are like, what? Tell me. Y'all, nothing. It's called the desert. Like, there is nothing in the desert. I'm driving this van for seven hours thinking, listen, if this thing breaks down, we're goners. 
Nobody knows we're here. Your cell phone doesn't work well in the desert. There is nothing in the desert. And listen to me. There are all kinds of different ways where you and I can find ourselves in the desert. Sometimes you're walking with Jesus to the best of your ability. There's no known sin that you're holding on to in your life. But the world is so broken that that brokenness comes into your life. And just because the world is broken and messed up, you are forced to go into the desert. You're walking with Jesus and you still get that diagnosis. You are walking with Jesus and serving Him as best you can can and you study for the test and you still you still fail it you still lose that relationship so sometimes we can end up in the desert because the world is broken sometimes we end up in the desert because of choices that we make so i make a choice and a consequence of my choice leads me to a desert and the desert becomes a consequence of the choice that i made now here's the good news the good news is that when we make choices that lead us out into the desert god's mercy is there in the desert y'all god's mercy never runs dry or out in the desert so there is mercy and grace from god for us when we make choices that lead us to the desert but also there are times where god will take you to the desert Because if you're taking notes, write this down. It's in the desert that relationship is formed. We love the mountaintop experiences with Jesus. We love those, right, where we can just literally feel the manifest presence of God. We love the mountaintop experience with Jesus. But it is in the valley of the shadow of death where we learn in a way we could never learn on the mountaintop that God is with us. Hello? Right? It's in, those, it's in those desert experiences where relationship is formed. The desert feels empty. The desert can feel alone. The desert feels like no one, not even God, is with you. When you're in the desert, prayers that you used to pray that God just seemed to answer like this, all of a sudden seem like they're hitting the ceiling. When you are in the desert, Things that really used to give you life spiritually all of a sudden seem very stale. And all kinds of different things might get you there. Losing a job might take you to the desert. Um, losing a relationship might take you to the desert. An illness, might, you, you might find yourself in the desert. Here's one that can get you there, unanswered prayer. I mean, you are praying, you are interceding, you are begging for God to move, to provide, to heal. I don't know what it is, but heaven just does not seem to be opening. Nothing seems to be happening. Unanswered prayer can take you to the desert. Abraham is crying out to God for most of his life, and nothing seems to be happening. And here's what we need to see. Abraham wanted an answer. God wanted a relationship. And so what's in the desert? God is in the desert. And you can learn and you can experience God in the desert in a way that you never could on the mountaintop. See, the way that we want prayer to work, what we want Jesus to do in prayer, we want Jesus to answer our prayers the exact way that we pray them, when we want, and the way that we say. We want Jesus to do what we want, when we want. That's how we want prayer to work. Here's what I want. Give it to me in the next day or so. We want Jesus to answer our prayers the way we say them and on our own timetable. And listen to me. If Jesus did that, 
Jesus would not be God. Jesus would be Amazon. Right? Here's the thing. Amazon gives me what I want when I want it. You know what I'm saying? But the problem is I don't know a single person who works there. I don't have a relationship with Amazon at all. Now, they give me what I want. Right? They give me what I want. I go there, I give them money, I get what I want. They, they send me the stuff. I get what I want from Amazon when I want it. But I don't have a relationship with them. And we think prayer should be like Amazon. So we give Jesus our list, right? We pray through the list. And then when we say in Jesus' name, that's like putting the list in the shopping cart. Hello? And amen is like click and check out, right? And, and hey, listen, surely I got the prime package. It ought to be here in two days. That's what we think. That's how we think prayer ought to work. And listen, praise God for, for praise God for answered prayer. When God answers our prayer summit, we are learning things about the love and mercy of God that are just amazing. But but in unanswered prayer, in unanswered prayer, we are learning things about the mercy and the love of God that we can only learn in the desert. And that's exactly how you understand verses like we read earlier. Mark 11, 1 John 5. All of those verses where Jesus says, listen, ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you. I'm going to the Father. Ask and I'll give you what you ask. How do we make sense of that when it doesn't work? And what happens a lot of times is we like to pit verses against another. One verse against another. So i got a verse that says this. Well, I've got a verse that says this. And all kinds of people treat the Bible as if it's just a series of random spiritual sayings. But the Bible's not just a bunch of random sayings. The Bible is one cohesive story. Everything is coming together. So if we want to know God's heart about a subject, we need to see what the Bible says in totality about something like prayer. So 1 John 5, I don't know if we can put it up there again. 1 John 5, 14 through 15 honestly helps us understand all of those verses like ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you. Look at 1 John 5 again. This is the confidence we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, hello? If we ask anything according to the will of God, he hears us and we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know we have the request that we asked for. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We know God's will in part, not fully. See, Isaiah says, God's ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. There are times when we ask God to move a mountain and the mountain moves. And then there are times where we ask God to move a mountain and the mountain doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And we say, God, surely you'd want to move this mountain but look at me, God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Sometimes God knows some things that I just don't know. But what I know from personal experience is that there have been times when I've asked God to move a mountain and he didn't move it. And listen, when there was a mountain in front of me, I pressed into the things of God in a deeper way. So, so unanswered prayer is an invitation to the desert. God's inviting us, hey, I want to take you to a new level, a new experience with me, and that leads us right into the second thing. Unanswered prayer is an invitation to transformation. Unanswered prayer is an invitation to transformation. In the fourth and fifth centuries, there was a group of Christians in Egypt. Uh, today, we call them the desert fathers and mothers. They saw life in the city of Egypt. They saw life in the city of Egypt as so distracting. They couldn't be who God wanted them to be. They couldn't focus on God with all the distractions. Think about what they'd say today. I mean, here they are, 4th and 5th century, right? 
But they couldn't focus on God. So what they did is they left the city of Egypt. They literally went out into the desert and lived so that they could be alone with God and then go back into the city of Egypt and be a blessing to all of those people. They went to the desert to learn how to live and be transformed by Jesus. The desert is a place of transformation. In the desert, faith is formed. God, when God takes us into the desert, a lot of times God will strip away from us things that we're comfortable, things that we're used to, and God in the desert will start to build into you a deeper hunger for who He is. David writes this verse, Psalm 63, 1. David is literally in the desert when he writes, Oh God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Written in the desert. See, when you're in the desert, when you're in the desert, one of two things can happen to you. First thing that can happen to you when you're in the desert is you can get real cynical. Do you know what cynicism is? You know what it means to be cynical? Here's what it means. Cynicism just means this. You think you know how life works. That's what it means to be cynical. So I know how life works. So to be cynical, cynicism is just this inner attitude that says, listen, I've been there, done that, whatever. We lose the childlike wonder of our faith, and on the inside, we're just like, whatever. I know how life works. In Genesis 18, when God comes to Abraham and Sarah and says, in one year, you're going to have a son, do you know what they do to God? Do you may know? They laugh at him. Do you know why they laugh? Not because they think God's funny. They think this, whatever, we're old. Nobody has kids when they're our age. Listen, God, those promises you made back years ago, they expired. We know how this goes. Listen to me. If you haven't heard anything, you got to listen to this. You cannot grow in cynicism and grow in prayer at the same time. You cannot become a cynical person and a person of faith at the same time. The most dangerous thing that could ever happen to your faith is you become a cynical person. And you can come to church every week and you can read the Bible every single day and you can give other people spiritual advice and think, you know what, it works for them, but it doesn't work for me. I've got this figured out. I've been praying something for a long time and it's not being answered. I know what, listen, it works for you. I'm glad it works for you, but it doesn't work for me. And you cannot become a person of faith and a cynical person at the same time. So the desert can make you cynical. Or it can lead to transformation. It can lead us to transformation more into the image of Jesus. And there's all kinds of different ways that that can happen, but I'll just give you one. This is the last thing for this morning. Unanswered prayer. Unanswered prayer is an invitation to the desert. And in the desert, relationship is formed. God is there, and it's an invitation to transformation. And one of the ways we can be transformed with unanswered prayer in the desert instead of becoming cynical is we need to see that unanswered prayer is an invitation to a larger story. Unanswered prayer is an invitation to a larger story. So Abraham dies with one son of promise and just enough land to bury his wife. If that's all we get out of that story, how sad. But that is not all we get out of that story. Hello? Hello? We, we know because of where we are 
The story doesn't end there. In fact, the last two verses, watch this. Maybe you've never read this before. Watch this. The last two verses of Hebrews 11, again, talking about the Hall of Fame of Faith, Abraham and all those people that we always talk about in the Old Testament. Look at Hebrews 11, 39 through 40. And all of these, Abraham and Sarah is who he's talking about. Abraham and Sarah, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Here's why they didn't receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for who? Us. Who's us? You and me. God has provided something better for us that apart from, watch this, us, they, Abraham and Sarah and all those people, they should not be made perfect. What in the world does that mean? Here's what it means. The promises that God made to Abraham and Sarah wasn't just for Abraham and Sarah's life. The prayers that Abraham and Sarah were praying weren't just for their life. They didn't realize it, but they were a part of a bigger story, a larger story, a story that God is writing, and you are in that story. I am in that story. Abraham and Sarah, all of the prayers and all of the hopes that they had, why didn't they see it? Because we were in their story. They didn't know it, but we know it. We can look back, and now Abraham, where he is right now, he sees us, and and he knows what happened in that story. But they didn't realize it at the time. But we are a part of the story. And what we've got to understand is that God is writing a story out of your life. So we're praying these prayers. We're praying all of these prayers. And from our vantage point, it looks like nothing is happening. It looks like Jesus doesn't listen to us. It looks like Jesus isn't going to answer our prayers. We're praying for the kingdom to come. But from our vantage point, y'all, the kingdom is not coming. And what we need to understand, we need to understand that every single time Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, here's how he started talking about it. The kingdom of God is like a seed. Just this tiny little seed. And you put this seed into the ground and you put it there. And for so long, it doesn't look like anything is happening. For so long, it's just so slow. It looks so insignificant. But over time, you look back and there is something growing there. So you're praying these prayers. And from our vantage point, we have no idea what God is doing. But can I tell you, God is writing a story out of your life, out of every prayer that you've prayed for, that from your vantage point, it looks like like God's not hearing you, Summit God hears you, and something is being planted, and it might just be in seed form right now. But if you give it time, eventually we will look back and see, you know what? God is growing something. See, before Abraham could ever have Isaac, the son of promise, Abraham needed some things born in himself. God had to plant some things inside of Abraham before Isaac could be born. So you're praying, God, why aren't you answering? Maybe God is planting seeds in your heart. Maybe God wants to birth some things in your life. Maybe before that prayer is answered, God needs to develop some things in you. I'm just telling you that your life, that my life, we are a part of a bigger story that God is writing. Man, I remember when I got saved, April 1996, senior in high school, gave my life to Jesus, right? I give my life to Jesus, I get saved. And right around that time, just, I mean, weeks later after I get saved, there are specific people that I start to pray for to get saved. And I pray for them every single week. And I promise you, I pray for them. For years, nothing happens. 
Nothing. I don't see anything out of their life. And these are people that, right, that, that live right here. Many of them may, may, might have been in my family, friends that I had. I'm praying that these people get saved. I'm praying that God would send somebody because I don't live around here. My family, Elaine and I, we don't live around here anymore. But I'm praying for people who are back here, right here in Hazard, back home. God, send somebody to tell them about you. God, do something in their life. God, save these people. And I had no idea that God was eventually going to call us to come back here and start this church. And some of the people that I started praying for in April of 1996 came to this church, got saved in this church, baptized in this church. They still go to this church to this day. And I had no idea that I was going to be a part of the prayers that I was praying. And the only reason I tell you that is not because I want you to hear we had a plan. We didn't have no plan. But I'm just telling you, if you look back on your life right now through the eyes of faith, what you'll see, I'm convinced, is you will see if you look back on your life through the eyes of faith, your life is not a series of random events where things happening to be falling into place. God is writing a story out of your life. And he's got you to where you are. And just like we sang earlier this morning, God's goodness has been running after you. He's been good in the past. He's going to continue to be good in the future because God is writing a story. And I just want you to know that the author of the story never wastes anything, including unanswered prayer. And so you might be here this morning and I just want you to know one thing, and then we're done. I want you to notice one thing. Everything we've said, unanswered prayer, it's an invitation to the desert. It's an invitation to transformation. It's an invitation to a larger story. In all of those is the word invitation. And when you get an invitation, you've got a couple options, don't you? When you get an invitation, you can receive it or you can reject it. And some of you this morning, you're just overwhelmed on the inside. God has given you an invitation, but you're just cynical. You're cynical about this whole series. You're cynical about revival and renewal. You're cynical about whether anything significant could ever happen in this community. You're cynical about whether or not God wants to do anything in your life. You're cynical about keep on praying the prayers you've been praying for years. And I want you to know today, Jesus did not come back from the dead to make you cynical. Jesus came back from the dead to give you life. Some of you are here right now and you are in the desert. And Abraham lived his whole life in the desert. And what did he do? He might not have saw the promises and the prayers answered, but I'm telling you, Abraham hung on. And some of you are like, Mark, I'm in the desert. I can barely hang on. And so here's what I want to do today. I'm going to challenge you to do something and it might, might, might be a bit bold. But if you are here today and you find yourself in the desert. And I don't know what got you there. And I don't know what your desert looks like. But if you are here and you are in the desert, the worst thing you could ever do is to try to navigate the desert alone when you are surrounded by people right now who some have been through the desert, some are in the desert right now, but all of these people are brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the family of God, and it's a safe place to say, listen, I feel like I'm in the desert right now, and I just need people to pray for me that I would stay close to Jesus in the desert. Listen, God's not abandoned you. God is inviting you to a new level with Him, but you've got to remain with Him.
So would you pray with me this morning? Just bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Father, as we move into a time of prayer, God, I pray, Father, that you would just pour your spirit out in these next few moments. And God, that you would just release a spirit of honesty. God, in this room right now, there are people in this room right now, they are in the desert. They're in the desert with a health issue. They're in the desert with some kind of relationship. There are parents who feel like they're in the desert. There are kids who feel like they're in the desert. Somebody's in the desert with a financial situation. Somebody's in the desert. They're praying for a loved one to be saved and they don't see anything happening. God, there are people in the room right now. They're just in the desert. And so, Father, right now I pray for honesty in the room. Honesty that would say, God, I need prayer. I'm in the desert. And I want to receive the invitation not to walk away from you, but to draw near to you even right in the desert. So guys, you're in a safe place. Listen, if you can't admit that you're in the desert and you need prayer here, you're not going to do it anywhere. But you can do it right here because this is a safe place. So I just want to ask you, is there anybody in the room right now? And you say, Mark, I'm in the desert. Just put your hand up if that's you. Right now, put your hand up. I'm in a desert. I feel like I'm in a desert. If that's you, put your hand up. Hands are going up all over this room. All over this room. All over this room. Now, would you put your hand down for a moment? <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm going to ask you to do something. If you just put your hand up, we want to pray over you this morning. So I'm just going to ask you to simply do this. If you just put your hand up, if you would, would you just stand up right where you are right now? Just stand up right now. Go ahead and st just stand up. You don't have to come forward. Just literally stand up right where you are. People are standing up. Go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand. Say, I just feel like I'm in a desert. Just go ahead and literally stand up if you put your hand up. Go ahead. Anybody else? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want everybody in our church to look around right now. Look around. And if you see somebody standing up, I want you to get up out of your seat and go to them right now. And just lay hands on their shoulder, get near them. I want you to begin to pray for them right now. Everybody in the room, go ahead and look around. Let's everybody, I want, if, if Summit is your church, you're a partner, I don't want anybody standing up without somebody hands laid on them being prayed over. Go, go make a move to them right now. Get up, make a move to them right now. And, and they can tell you their story or they don't have to. But they're standing up because they need prayer. Would you make a move? There's some people over here. Let's, let's make a move here. There's some people here, right over here in the back. And let's just make a move right here. And let's just begin to pray. Just get up out of your seat. If you need to walk to the other side of the room, if you don't know them, it's okay. It's fine. You just get over and you pray for them. And let's just begin to pray right now. You just begin to cry out to God. We're just going to lift these people up in prayer right now. Just in a time of prayer, we're just going to pray for over these people who are standing up this morning. Father, right now, we just come to you in Jesus' name, God, and we pray over every single person standing right now, Jesus. Every person in this place right now, God, that feels like they are in some kind of desert. Jesus, I pray right now they wouldn't just have it as a fact in their head, but in their hearts they would know you are in the desert with them. They are not alone. They have not been abandoned. Heaven hears their prayers. They are loved by you. God, you are walking with them even right now. Father, I pray for breakthrough in their desert. God, whatever they're praying for, God, whatever their need is, God, if it's physical healing, financial provision, God, a loved one to be saved, I don't know what it might be, but Father, I pray for a breakthrough in their desert. And God, I pray for a deeper experience of you. 
David wrote Psalm 23. It's in the valley of the shadow of death that we realize that you're our shepherd. And so, God, I pray for anybody that's in this place, God, that is right there right now, they just feel like they're in a desert. God, that they would realize like they've never known it, they have a shepherd who's their father. That Jesus died for them and rose, rose again for them. They are perfectly loved. They are surrounded right now. Father, I pray for a breakthrough in these lives and protection from everything the enemy would want to throw at them right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would just give every single person that's in the desert just perseverance to stay with you, to not give up on you, to not walk away from you. Father, we love you. God, I just pray for every single person that God might be battling cynicism, just feel cynical. God, just break through in that right now and just restore faith and trust. God, I pray for every single marriage that might be in a desert. God, heal that marriage. God, I pray for parents, kids that feel like they're in a desert. God, pray for breakthrough in that desert. Father, we just pray for you to move. God, for every single person praying prayers and heaven just does not seem to be listening. God, right now in Jesus' name, remind us we are a part of a larger story. And we may not see what you're doing now, but seeds are being planted. God, I pray for those seeds to grow. I pray that the kingdom comes. God, in our lives, in our hearts, in our families, in our community. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said in faith, amen. Amen. Jesus, you can go ahead and make your way back to your seat there. And, and as you're just making your way um, back to your seat, thank you all for doing that. Thank you for, for standing. Thank you for going to people in prayer. And, and, and right now, um, just with everybody making your way back to your seat, I want to invite you to do something. I want to invite you to grab this connection card. This connection card is somewhere near you, probably on the back of the seat in front of you is where it is. Just go ahead and grab this card. In just a moment, we're going to have people at each door. They've got baskets. You can drop these cards in there. Let us know how we can pray for you. Every Monday, a group of us, we pray over every single one of these cards. We try to respond to every prayer request. If you are going through a desert, we would love to know what it is just so that we can try to walk with you through it as best we can. Uh, we just want to pray over you uh, if that's where you're at this morning. So fill these cards out and you can drop them in the basket as you leave. And as you're filling those out, I want to say if you're here today, uh, if you're brand new, if you're here for the first time, or maybe you've been a couple times, I've never got to say hi to you. I'll be at the welcome area after church. I'd love to shake your hand, answer any questions you've got. We've got a free gift for all of our first-time guests out there at the welcome area uh, this morning. All right? Hey, guys, I just want to remind you tonight at 6 o'clock, small groups, we'd love for you to come back. And don't forget, don't forget in two weeks, on the 29th, some big things are happening. The If Gathering for Ladies, the uh, If Gathering, it's a streaming event happening all over the country. We're hosting that right here. Starts at 8.30. And then that night is Night to Shine at HCTC. Starts at 6, uh, 6 right? And so, so all kinds of stuff. Man, jump into that, all right, if you can. Hey, everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Just pray a blessing over us. Father, I thank you that as we go, you go with us today. Father, I thank you that we are loved, God, and, and that we are yours. Father, you just drive that down into our hearts today. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. God bless you. I'd love to connect with you at the welcome area.